Hey there, I'm Sarah K. Hoffman, a holistic health coach and chief gutsy of a gutsygirl.com. I went from bloated, gassy, and infertile to living my best life with a strong microbiome and a very full house. On this show, no topic is too stinky to discuss and everything can be broken down into practical, digestible takeaways. So grab a cup of bone broth, veggie broth, or a soothing golden latte if you prefer, and come along as I show you how the number two might just be your new number one. Hello, and welcome back to the A Gutsy Girl podcast show. This is episode 29, and I am so glad you are here with me today. My name is Sarah K. Hoffman, aka A Gutsy Girl, and I am your host for this show. I love a good solo show where you and I get to sit down and chat all things gut health and gut healing. So speaking of gut health and gut healing, that's where I want to start today. I say this frequently, gut health and or gut healing. And each time I do, someone asks, why do you say it like that? Aren't they the same things? The short answer is no. And to this day, I incorrectly use the terms gut health and gut healing because I use them interchangeably. Most people do. However, they are not the same things. Even their definitions prove it. The definition of health is the state of being free from illness or injury. The definition of healing is the process of making or becoming sound or healthy again. Health is a state of being, and healing is an action we need to take. So think about it all in terms of, or maybe broken down in stages that look like this. Number one, how do we prevent gut issues from occurring in the first place? Number two, once these gut issues do surface, how then do we heal the gut? And number three, and finally, Once we are healed, how can we move forward from those gut issues? And what I know for certain is that I have been at each stage throughout my journey. And if there is one thing I wish I'd known when starting my journey, it would have been this. Gut health and gut healing are not the same things. The advice you'll be given, information you'll read, and resources you'll trust all can have their place on your journey, but they will not all necessarily be right for you each step of the way, or maybe not even right at all. Let me share more about what I mean because I think this can help you today. First of all, as I mentioned above, number one is how do we prevent the gut issues from occurring in the first place? So first off is preventing these gut issues. This is the place where everyone wants to be, but chances are this is not where you're currently at if you're listening to this podcast show. Preventing gut issues would be optimal health. It means that there is nothing currently wrong with your gut or any other systems throughout the body. Remember, it's all connected. So just because you might be at a Bristol stool, chart number three to four doesn't automatically mean you're quote unquote healthy. If you are one in a million, probably quite literally these days, with zero gut issues, then here are some of the best ways for preventing gut issues. Number one, probiotics. Number two, prebiotics. 
prebiotics are the things that will feed the probiotics, which are the quote unquote good gut bacteria that is currently thriving in your gut. The next one, fermented foods. When I am feeling great, I eat a lot of fermented foods, kimchi, miso, and you can actually ferment anything. I have a lot of ideas for fermented foods on agutsygirl.com. You can check out, I even teach you how to ferment your own foods. It's actually fairly simple. The next thing is to avoid highly processed foods. If you are currently eating a lot of processed foods, but feeling great, consider avoiding them a little bit more. Or if you're already not eating them, that is probably one of the reasons why you are feeling so great. The next, consume 25 plus grams of fiber per day. Fiber is what helps to bulk in the stool and to keep everything moving through your digestive system swiftly and smoothly. In America, it is estimated, I believe, that we only get on average five to eight grams of fiber per day, which is far lower than the 25 plus and definitely lower than what other places in the world consume per day. So if at all possible, consume at least 25 grams of fiber per day. The list could go on and on. I mean, to the extent of don't breathe in air because it's polluted. In other words, almost every single thing you do in life could disrupt the gut microbiome. Life circumstances could trigger a gut infection or autoimmune disease at any time, seemingly out of nowhere. What you can do if you are feeling great right now is to do the very best you can at preventing anything. So what's next? Next is healing the gut. And this is probably the place that you are at if you are listening to this podcast episode right now. In some way, shape, or form, you already don't feel well. And so you are in the phase where you are looking for actual gut healing instead of gut health. Once your gut has been compromised in any way, shape, or form, manifesting in ways from constipation to diarrhea or alternating between the two of them, brain fog to fatigue and more, you have entered the healing versus health stage. I would guesstimate that 90% plus of you fall into this category. You are not healthy in terms of the gut health place you want to be at. Thus, you are not ready to move forward yet because you still haven't had enough days or months in a row where you're feeling as healthy as desired. Healing the gut is so different from the other two places on this journey because it's temporary. It should be temporary. There is nothing easy about healing the gut. But as I stated long ago, even in my very first version of the Gutsy Girls Bible, nothing changes if nothing changes. You will never heal without a change. And this is why so many people come to me during this stage and say things like, I'll never get over this stress. How can I heal? Or I'm a staunch vegetarian. Can I heal like this? Without getting a grip on that draining stress, you'll never heal. 
And maybe some of the foods on your vegetarian diet are making you ill daily, etc. They say that what you resist persists. It's a thousand percent true. If you don't want to admit it, then that could be the very thing holding you back from truly healing. So what are some of the very best things that I personally did to heal my gut? Here they are. Number one, I avoided highly processed foods. When I was in the thick of my journey, I rarely ever consumed anything that contained more than five ingredients. I knew every single ingredient that was in every single food that I consumed. In addition to that, I also almost 100% of the time cooked everything at home. I rarely went out to eat and I definitely did not buy many packaged goods. The next thing, I personally consumed more meats, fats, and broths, and less of the complex carbs. Now, some people will hear this and think, absolutely not. But what I want you to know is that this is something that I did that worked for me in the very beginning of my gut healing phase. And if you remember what I talked about before, healing is not or should not be a forever thing. I do not live on meat, fats, and broths any longer, even though I do incorporate them into my diet on a daily basis. But at the time when I needed to heal what was going on with me personally, that's what I did. Next, for healing, I had less fiber, but I also incorporated strategic fiber so that I was still getting in some. So if you have my ebook, Reasonable SIBO, you will see all the different foods and at what point they become high FODMAP. And this is something that I truly believe in, is that we can still get fiber but that we have to choose the right fiber for whatever condition we are dealing with. And so in the ebook, I have broken down a ton of different greens and how much you can have without it being high FODMAP. There are even some beans, like for instance, canned lentils, that you can have a certain amount of and still be low FODMAP. So I just got really strategic about it, but I definitely in no way, shape, or form was eating all the fiber, all the time. It didn't work for me in the healing phase. Next, therapy. This is one of the very best things I ever did to heal my gut. I went to therapy, and by therapy, I mean verbal therapy. Yes, of course, I did things like massage therapy. I did chiropractic therapy. I did other things along the way, but the most important and best thing that I did in the gut healing phase initially was verbal therapy. Next is medication. And I guess I would kind of wrap medication and antibiotics in together. They are different in the sense that you can take a, an everyday medication. Like for instance, I take a thyroid medication, WP thyroid, every single day. And I started that when I was healing my gut. I also take LDN, which stands for low-dose naltrexone. That also is a medication that I did and started in the gut healing phase. And I truly believe that it changed the trajectory of my personal healing. And you combine that with antibiotics 
which are just done for a short amount of time. Antibiotics are life-saving. They also can wreak havoc on the gut. And so you have to know what you're doing when you take them and then also how you're going to rebuild after taking them. But had I not taken the SIBO antibiotics, I would never have been able to heal long-term. And that was just my experience personally. Not everybody needs the SIBO antibiotics. By the time I was diagnosed with SIBO, though, I was so far gone that the herbal supplement protocol did not work for me. I tried it. It didn't work. So healing my gut for me absolutely included antibiotics. And I am never ashamed to tell you that medication and antibiotics can both be part of your healing journey. Next thing was HCL, which stands for hydrochloric acid. One of my underlying problems was very low stomach acid. And so when I learned that and we figured out how to really implement the right amount of HCL, it truly helped me to heal my gut so that I was producing more stomach acid in order to be able to break my food down in order to get through the digestive system at a normal pace. The next one are enzymes, digestive enzymes. These are something that you might need also in the general gut health phase, but for many people in the healing phase, you absolutely might need some help with breaking down food, just as you might with the stomach acid. Digestive enzymes are just another form of supplement that helps you to break down proteins, fats, likewise. Other things would be more supplements as needed, and this is part of your healing journey that should be done in conjunction with a doctor or other practitioner. Depending on your diagnosis, the supplement would reflect that and work along with that healing part of your journey. Also in the healing part of my journey, I began meal spacing and intermittent fasting. This does or doesn't work for people depending on many different factors. For me, it was one of the best things I did. And I also, the final thing that I really did to heal my gut in this phase was I broke up with intense workouts. And by the way, I also pretty much broke up with all workouts the final time I ever healed. I simply did walking, stretching, and super low intense things like that. By the way, if you went back to the beginning of my journey, which was in 2008, 2009-ish, most of the things that I just talked about, I would never have talked about. Hence, it took me a very long time to heal. So I'm just trying to expedite this process for you now that I am on the other side and years into true gut health. And here's the thing. The things that I've mentioned were my personal gut healing powerhouses. They might not be yours. Did I want to do them all every single day? Of course not. Gut healing is no picnic. That's for sure. Also, what I know for sure about this stage, you should not stay here beyond the time when you truly feel empowered to move forward. This stage is not for life. Anyways, it should not be. The gut healing stage is carefully crafted, created, and implemented. However, I promise that if you stay in a restricted stage for too long, 
in addition to possibly not fully healing, which absolutely happened to me in the beginning, you might even find that new problems arise, which also happened to me. And number three that I previously talked about was moving forward from gut issues. So once you've arrived at a place where you feel healed, again, it's usually at least 90%. Sometimes you don't have to wait till you're 100%, but I would say that you should be at least 90 plus percent, then you are ready to move forward. Note, though, that just because you've gone on this gut healing journey, the journey isn't actually over. If you don't pay attention, you'll be on the track right back to where you just came from. At this stage, there are some things you can and should consider to move forward. These are some of the ways I believe are best in moving forward from gut issues. Number one, everything I mentioned before for preventing gut issues. So if you need to rewind a little bit and go back and write those down, you can do that now. Number two, pay attention to those things which landed you at stage two to begin with. And stage two is the gut healing phase. Continue to focus there. For example, I know that what landed me at stage two to begin with was way too much stress, far too little stomach acid, and overdoing the workouts. So you need to focus there. You might need the therapy. For me, I needed a strong prokinetic. I needed to continue my HCL with high protein meals, etc. Number three, take a minimalist approach to supplements. At some point, Your supplement regimen should not be a full-time job. And I know I see you right now. You deal with almost a full-time job every single day between the supplements, medications, antibiotics, and other things that you have to do to heal. I know, I see you, I've been there. It's not ideal for the long-term. And so at some point, Really take a look at every last thing you're doing. And if you are truly healed, you don't need to do all of that anymore. And you can start to take a more minimalist approach to the supplements, of course, in conjunction with your doctor, your practitioner, do hand-holding, figure out which ones you truly need and which you can let go of. It's going to save you time, energy, and money, and it is so freeing. The next thing is to reintroduce as many foods as possible. Variety is going to be your friend. The microbiome loves variety. And when you are in the gut health stage, you want to make that microbiome flourish as best as possible. And introducing as many foods as possible is one of the greatest ways to do that. I have a post all about how to reintroduce foods. I believe I have even spoken through it in detail on a previous episode that I will link to in the show notes, but reintroduce at your pace and on your time. And the last thing that you can do for moving forward is to clean up the other areas of your life, like your home cleaning supplies, tampons, beauty products, you name it, clean it all up. I know that it seems like this stuff doesn't matter, but what it comes down to is the toxic load. And the more our systems are inundated 
with toxin after toxin after toxin, the more likely we are to relapse. It's not if you use or have or consume a toxin here or there, that's the problem. It's when we are using them layer upon layer, day by day, month by month, and year after year, and it becomes a huge problem. I have a ton of recommendations for all of these alternative lifestyle and just lifestyle in general things on the Master Gutsy Resource Spreadsheet. But I will tell you right now, my favorite company for home cleaning supplies is hands down Branch Basics. I absolutely love their products. We use them throughout our house. They now even have dishwasher balls. (laughs) They have laundry detergent. My favorite is just the all-purpose cleaner. You've probably seen me if you are on Instagram hanging out with me. I show you all the time how easy it is to use it. I believe if you go to branchbasics.com and at checkout, you can use my code, a gutsy girl, for 20% off or 15% off, something like that. I'm not sure, but you will save because they are my favorite and I have worked with them for quite some time now. Tampons, I love anything that is organic. There's a brand, I believe it's called OI. I get all of my organic tampons through my Thrive Market membership. And then I also had mentioned beauty products. This includes makeup and skincare. And I have a few that I really, really love. I did a whole episode at the beginning of when I started recording this show with my friend Beth, and we talked about clean beauty and skincare. And so you can see that episode. I believe it might be episode six, around episode six. And we discuss many different ones. I personally use most Beauty Counter. I also use Primally here. They have fantastic products. Their deodorant is awesome, second to none. I love Wellness Mama. She has great hair care products. I swear by her dry shampoo and also her shampoo. I could go on and on and on. I will link to some different things in the show notes. But the key in moving forward is to do so slowly but surely. When the day comes to move forward, don't eat all the vegetables, take two probiotics, have mounds of fermented vegetables, and stop taking medications with the help of your doctor. Moving forward, while it should no longer feel like a part-time job and restricted, should still be semi-calculated. For example, now that I am healed, I no longer live on meats, fats, and broth. Instead, I eat meat strategically for health, fat daily instead of constantly, and broth whenever I make a batch. I didn't go back to eating junk, processed foods 24-7, but I also don't live with food fear. And I certainly didn't sign up for another half marathon training cycle. So there you have it. The skinny on gut health versus gut healing. It's very real. The confusion between the two could be keeping you unwell. So if you need to, stop this episode right now, rewind to the beginning, take notes, and come back. Moving forward. Today, I am here to answer your questions. And if you enjoy these shows, remember that the best compliment you can give is to simply leave an Apple podcast review. 
I'm grateful for each and every single one of you who takes five seconds out of your day to do so. In return, I always offer 20% off anything at a gutsygirl.com just by using code podcast at checkout. So here we go. Questions. Question number one, how to quote unquote cure a colitis flare up fast with no drugs. Okay, so first, there is no cure for colitis. And second, nothing about healing your gut or putting a flare into remission is typically fast. I am so sorry to have to say it like it is, but I don't want anyone thinking that you can hack your way out of a colitis flare-up. However, with a flare-up, here are some things to do that might help reduce symptoms. There is a post on a gutsygirl.com called 21 Things to Do During a Colitis Flare-Up. And here are some of them to get you started. The way that I broke down these 21 things are I have the first 14 are food-related things that you can do during a colitis flare-up, and then the other ones are non-food-related. So I'm going to share the first five from each list. So the first five food-related things that you can do during a colitis flare-up, remember, I was diagnosed with colitis. The specific form was proctitis in 2008. And so my research and my experience comes from this standpoint. Number one, drink bone broth and drink a lot of it. Number two, drink water and drink a lot of it. Number three, no seeds. And this includes seeds from vegetables. Number four, no nuts. Number five, reduce or eliminate the amount of skins you consume via fruit, vegetables, etc. So those are some to get you started. Obviously, there are several more. I will say when it comes to everything that I had just said, the thing about nuts, seeds, skins doesn't mean I didn't eat vegetables still. For instance, I still ate a lot of zucchini. A lot of my recipes and my healing, different healing books talk about this and include this method. But basically, zucchini, I would de-skin it, I would cut it in half, and then I would de-seed it. Take out all the seeds. So you were just left with the meat of the zucchini. And then I would boil it or soften it up as much as possible and then eat it. And that was the way that I could still tolerate vegetables. And it was very easy for my system to digest. And I was still getting some kind of nutrients during a flare up. Here are some non food things. Number one, sleep and sleep, then sleep some more. I know this one sounds like duh, but it is absolutely critical. It is something I did. And if you are feeling that miserable, you need rest. Your body just wants to rest. Along with that is number two, find your Zen. Number three, I have on my list to pray. And I realize that not everyone prays, but the point of that is to tap into some form of spirituality. Really just get quiet with yourself and listen to whatever you believe is a higher power. And for me, it was just to be silent, read my Bible, and pray. Number four, find answers 
not drugs. Yes, I know you might need the drugs. I'm all about it if you do. All I'm saying is that there is always another answer. There's always an answer for what's going on, why it's going on, ways to overcome it. Find those answers and do that in conjunction with the drugs. And the last one is to skip the workout. If you are in any sort of colitis flare, you need to skip the workout. I hear all the time that people say, but that's the only thing that is making me not stress about what's going on. But I'm telling you right now, working out during a flare is by far one of the most stressful factors that you are going to be placing on your body. So skip it and sleep instead. How is that? Okay, the next question is, how do you keep a positive mindset during the healing process? This is a great question because this is part of the battle with this whole healing aspect. It is so so, so hard to keep a positive mindset some days. I know, and I have been there. And I will tell you this, it's not always easy. And yet, you have to figure out some system for yourself because it's critical. Here is how mindset changes gut healing. Number one, your mindset sets you up for success. When your mindset is right, you'll move with full conviction towards healing. Success, though it won't be overnight, can and will happen. Or your mindset will set you up to fail. Without the right mindset, there won't be gut healing. You've heard the saying by Henry Ford, and it's true. Whether you think you can or think you can't, you're right. So your mindset will either set you up for success or failure. I have an e-course for the beginner's on your gut healing journey that is launching very soon. There is a huge part in the e-course on mindset and making sure that you have the right mindset in order to set you up for success. But for today, here are some of the strategies that I used. Number one, I wrote out my feelings. Obviously, if you've read my blog or have been following along with the blog for any amount of time, you know that I enjoy, I truly enjoy, and I love to write. And I know that's not the case for everyone. So it was easy for me to write my feelings out. But if it's not easy for you, you can still write a few sentences here or there when you're in the thick of it. Whenever I was in the thick of it, I would write down how I was feeling and I tried to peel back the layers and understand why I was feeling the way I was feeling as it related to however my body was reacting to things. And it truly helped me just understand more about the mind and the gut and their connection with each other at any given moment. Another strategy I used was I talked my feelings out. I mentioned it before, but therapy, therapy, and then more therapy. If you don't want to go to or you can't go to a professional therapist, there is someone you can talk to. There is always someone out there who will listen to you, who knows what you're dealing with. What I found on my journey was that 
it wasn't something that I could talk to everybody about because I would say things like, I feel miserable. I feel like there are gremlins pushing against my stomach and into my jeans. And I would get back feedback from people like, what are you talking about? You're so thin. They didn't understand how I was feeling. And so over time, I stopped talking about my feelings to anyone and everyone. And instead, I either went to an unbiased person, like a therapist, or someone who was there just to listen to me, like my husband or my best friends, or I would go to other people who also had SIBO or who had colitis, or when my face looked the way that it did, who had perial dermatitis. I would go to people who understood and I would talk those feelings out and I would feel validated. And I think that's something that is very important to keep in mind when you're thinking about talking your feelings out is who you are able to talk to. Another thing is I cried. This journey, and when you are in the thick of it, is not easy. And sometimes you just need a good cry session. So many times we just hold it in and keep it in because we're trying to be strong and we're trying to just get through whatever it is at any given moment. But the truth is that sometimes if you just cry, you just get it out, you can move on afterwards. Another thing I did was I started saying mantras to myself daily. I have put together so many mantras for you on my website that you can take and manipulate and use to benefit you and your own situation. My favorite mantra, the mantra that I used at the end of my healing journey was, you don't have SIBO. Your SIBO is gone. You are free. I would say different versions of that to myself every single day. So even if I wasn't feeling 100%, maybe close to, but not 100%, I would say that. And it would always change what happened next. And the last thing that I will say to you is that you have to believe that it can and it will get better. There is no substitute for just believing that it can and will. The longer you tell yourself, because like I said, your mindset can set you up to fail. So the longer you tell yourself that you're never going to heal, everything's against you, there's no use in even trying anymore, I promise you the longer it's going to take to truly heal. The next question is, should we check an imbalance before starting GAPS? And what do you think of GAPS? This is a great question. Let's start with what GAPS stands for since not everyone out there will know. GAPS stands for the Gut and Psychology Syndrome Diet. The GAPS diet is designed to reduce inflammation, support the gut lining, and restore microbial diversity through dietary intervention and detoxification. The GAPS diet was, in fact, the first major gut healing diet protocol I ever did. And it was incredible, truly. The GAPS diet changed my life through the information I acquired and practice I did on myself. And in fact, when my brand new book is finally released, Gutsy Girl's Bible, in its physical 
hard copy version, I am going to explain all about how the GAPS diet in that first book I ever read and healed from was such a major inspiration for what I have produced for you. Anyways, in the meantime, The Gut and Psychology Syndrome book is probably the book which drastically changed my life the most way back when. It's the book with the yellow cover. Recently, I also got the Gut and Physiology book, which is also incredible. That book has a blue cover, FYI, and I will link to both in the show notes. Anyways, there are so many praises I could give to the GAPS diet. But your other question was, should we check an imbalance before starting GAPS? In my honest opinion, I think you should. The reason is simple. The GAPS diet is very restrictive. And if you don't need that kind of restriction, it's usually best to avoid. Depending on your personal circumstances, there might be another diet more conducive for it. Here's the perfect example. I followed the GAPS diet religiously and I saw some huge improvements. But after a while, things started popping up here and there, and I couldn't understand why. The why was because I actually also had SIBO, but I didn't know it while on the GAPS diet. So as I moved towards the full GAPS diet versus the intro of meat, fat, and broth, I was eating a lot of high FODMAP foods in larger quantities because the rest of my diet felt so restricted. GAPS does not take FODMAPs into consideration, so if you found out you had SIBO, then GAPS, as it's templated and laid out, might not make sense for you. It's why I am super passionate about knowing exactly what you're dealing with than using some sort of gut healing templated diet, but customizing it 100% for you. Moving on, next question is, what is the difference between C. diff and SIBO treatment? Well, first of all, C. diff and SIBO are different, and thus the treatment is different. C. diff stands for Clostridium difficile, and it is an intestinal infection which colonizes in the large intestine that can spread through spores and cause diarrhea. SIBO stands for small intestinal bacterial overgrowth, and it is an overgrowth in the small intestine which can cause a whole host of problems. C. diff is a bad bacteria, and SIBO is more of the idea that bacteria is not properly placed, i.e. there is too much in the small intestine. So when it comes to treatment for C. diff, there are a couple that are pretty common. One is antibiotics. Yes, more antibiotics. And another one is a colon resection or a colon sparing procedure. This procedure is for patients with severe C. diff who are not responding to other therapies. Not as common, but you see it more often, are fecal transplants. In the very first episode I ever did on this podcast, I talked about C. diff a little bit because there was this show I used to watch, I believe on Amazon, with Tig. Uh, I can't fully remember her last name, Navarro maybe. And in this show, she had C. diff. And she does a 
radio show where it's just her and she is always talking to herself in this microphone. It's a sad show, but they put this really funny, humorous spin on it. And so every time I get to podcast by myself, I think of that show and I think of her voice and I think so much about C. diff. You can go back to episode one to listen to it. But the treatments for SIBO run far and wide. They include everything from herbal protocols to antibiotics like rifaximin, neomycin, and more. In other words, if you have both C. diff and SIBO, you absolutely must work super close with your practitioner as neither are easy to overcome. My final question that I want to get to today is this one. How to recover your gut after overeating? I love this question so much. And I think it is a great question, but honestly, it's one that I think is more about mindset than anything. And yet, I wanted to address it because I was once asking that same question, and I know many others ask it daily to themselves. So the first thing to do is to understand where the question is coming from. Why are you asking it? You are either asking it from one of two places. Number one, I'm concerned that I overate and now I'm feeling fat and bloated. Or number two, I overate and my stomach is now physically hurting in the worst way. So let me address number one first. Number one, I'm concerned that I overate and now I'm feeling fat and bloated. Here's what I will say about that if this is the camp you fall in. Number one, fat and bloat are not the same things. But even if they were, maybe part of the reason you're not healing is because you're constantly telling yourself, I'm fat and bloated. Number two, what is overeating? How do you know you just overate? Were you counting calories? Next time, try counting ingredients. You do not gain weight, true weight, from one meal. And number three, eating to heal your gut and eating for aesthetics are not the same things. If you fell into that first camp of, I'm concerned that I overate and now I'm feeling fat and bloated, and I want to recover from overeating, I want you to stop this podcast and go through those three things again and really meditate on them. Think about them. Now let's address number two. I overate and my stomach is now physically hurting in the worst way. If this is where the question derived from, then here are some things you can do. Number one, sleep and rest. We have already discussed this with the whole colitis flare-up talk, but sleep and rest. Number two, or go for a gentle walk. It's like overeating at the Thanksgiving meal. What do they always say? Just go for a walk afterwards. It's such common and practical advice, but it's true. Just go for a gentle walk. Breathe in fresh air and walk. And number three, if your stomach is physically hurting in the worst way, consider fasting for at least 12 hours. Let your body just rest and digest. We talked about this at the beginning of this show the differences between the sympathetic and the parasympathetic state. You want to get your body into the state where you are just resting and digesting it all. 
I promise that after your body has rested and digested in the best ways possible, it will not physically hurt any longer. Beyond the above, everything that I have just mentioned, remember, it was one meal. Remember how that meal made you feel. Choose a different option next time and move forward. Okay, it's time to wrap this all up. I have enjoyed this show today and I hope you have too. Remember, you can always submit your questions for these Q&A shows to podcast at agutsygirl.com and or send a DM to my Instagram at agutsygirl. Have a wonderful, inspiring, and awesome day. And I will see you again next time.